throughout this reading, we see Jesus on trial. He is questioned first by the religious leaders and later by Pontius Pilate, the political leader appointed to the region by the Roman authorities. Jesus had been betrayed and arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane earlier that evening, and he had been brought to the house of the religious leader, Annas, late at night, where the first of his many trials began. In his exchange with Annas, Jesus was questioned about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus replies that he has spoken openly, that nothing was said in secret. He says, ask those who heard me, surely they will know what I said. If the high priest wanted evidence, Jesus, there was plenty of opportunity for him to seek it from witnesses. This would have been the normal procedure at a properly conducted trial. Defence witnesses should have been called first. We could ask, though, whether having witnesses would have helped Jesus' case. We know from Mark 14 and Matthew 26 that the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus and that many had testified falsely against him. But there was a group who had heard Jesus and who knew him, as well as what he said, his disciples. Jesus knows all that is ahead of him and that his time of teaching is over. These were the people who were now the custodians of his teaching. If people want to know the words of Jesus, the disciples were the obvious witnesses. But where were they? Not only did they flee the Garden of Gethsemane, but while Jesus is inside being questioned by Annas, Peter is in the courtyard warming himself beside the fire. He is asked, you're not one of his disciples, are you? He replies, I am not. This was the first time he disowned Jesus. Before Jesus reaches the home of Pilate, Peter has denied him three times. Jesus is facing this trial alone. Back inside, when Jesus is struck by the official, he replies, if I said something wrong, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? These comments and those earlier where he asks for witnesses to be called is Jesus calmly demanding a fair hearing. The truth of his innocence is being denied. If we understand truth to mean dependability, truthfulness, uprightness of character, the religious leaders are not doing well. This was not a regular trial. Apart from the fact that it was occurring at night, which was illegal according to the religious leaders' own laws, there were no witnesses called and no defence. Even before the trial began, it had been determined that Jesus must die. Mark writes in chapter 14, verse 1, Now the Passover and the feast of unleavened bread were only two days away and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him. There was never going to be a fair trial. In the second part of this reading, we see Jesus brought before Pilate. John makes a careful note of the fact that to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. By Jewish law, entering the house of a Gentile 
would cause a Jewish person to be ceremonially defiled. As a result, they would not have been able to take part in worship at the temple or celebrate feasts until they had been restored to a state of cleanness. The religious leaders didn't want to miss out, so they stayed outside. If we understand truth as a sense of something real as opposed to mere appearance or copy, the truth is again denied by the religious leaders here. True worshippers make a real approach to God who is spirit. Rather than rituals which restrict God to a temple in Jerusalem or anywhere else that can at best only symbolise him. By remaining outside Pilate's home, the Jews make sure they adhere to the law and avoid ritual uncleanness, but their hearts were already defiled through their plot to kill Jesus. They were a long way from real faith in God. And so Jesus is brought before Pilate. While they are outside the the house, Pilate asks the Jews, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they reply, we would not have handed him over to you. The Jews have no charge to bring against Jesus, so Pilate tries to push responsibility back to them. Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews object. Pilate now knows the penalty they are seeking, but not why. Pilate questions Jesus directly, asking, Are you the king of the Jews? He is probably looking for a simple answer, but that is not what he gets. Jesus explains that his is a different type of kingdom, a spiritual kingdom of a different order from worldly kingdoms. If his were a worldly kingdom, he would have arrived with an army. Jesus says, You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? exclaims a cynical Pilate. Pilate was a political leader, balancing the demands of the Jews with those of his leaders in Rome. It is likely that for him, truth was relative. We don't know what his thinking might have been, but Jesus' innocence is clear to him. Whatever Jesus may have done or said, as far as Pilate is concerned, it certainly doesn't warrant the death penalty the Jews are seeking. But he was worried about the crowd and managing his leaders' expectations that he would keep peace in the region. Pilate absolutely did not want a fuss. After all, it was better that one man die for the people than for the whole nation to perish. If we understand truth in the absolute sense of that which is real and complete as opposed to what is false and wanting, we can see Jesus as truth. God's active word, which must be obeyed, is truth. In Jesus and his word, we have a standard for truth and for our moral behaviour. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. As the truth, Jesus is the reality of all God's promises. Pilate recognised the truth of Jesus' innocence and later appealed again to the Jews who told him that Jesus had claimed to be the Son of God. 
John adds that Pilate was afraid when he heard this. In Matthew 27 records Pilate's wife sending him a message saying, Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. Perhaps he recognised who Jesus was. Whatever the case, Pilate had the opportunity to make the right decision, but again the truth is denied. This whole passage contrasts the truth of Jesus' faithfulness with the denials of those around him. He is a king who bears witness to the truth. He is the way, the truth and the life. Jesus had been there in the flesh, speaking for himself, testifying to himself day after day for three years, making the same claims about himself. His message was clear and the high priests and the Pharisees heard him and knew his testimony. But it would cost them too much to accept Jesus' testimony. So what did they do? They handed him over to be crucified. Peter acknowledges who Jesus is. In Mark 8, when Jesus asks, Who do you say I am? Peter answers, You are the Christ. And then he denies Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. And Pilate. Pilate questions Jesus and finds him innocent. Pilate stands in front of the authoritative source of truth, and it seems he knows it. And what does Pilate do? He walks away. He denies the truth. Jesus had said everyone on the side of truth listens to him, yet it seems throughout these exchanges nobody did. The cowardice of the denials by religious leaders, Peter and Pilate, is contrasted with the steadfast faithfulness of Jesus to the Jews, to Gentiles, to his mission and to us. Jesus laid down his life for us. Even as we cave under pressure and deny Jesus and his teaching still, he remains faithful to the God he calls Father and to the world he came to save. As the truth, he gives us a reference point upon which to base our lives, to guide our thoughts, words and deeds. To abide in him is to live in truth. As we read this passage, it is tempting to catalogue the many ways that we deny the truth of Jesus' life, death and resurrection. But that puts the focus on us, not him. Instead, let's proclaim his faithfulness and truth wholeheartedly this Easter season and beyond.